Well, Happy New Year. A few of you are happy about it. On your seat somewhere or in a seat near you should be a little card like this. It says pray first. Grab that card. I want to talk about it in just a minute. But before we do that, I want to know, excuse my tissues today. I went north to see my parents in Connecticut, and I'm officially a Floridian. I'm officially a wuss, officially hate the cold and never plan to go back. So, Dad, if you're watching, uh, you'll be coming here from now on. Holy smokes. It was like 50 there two of the days, and I'm still like in a blanket. I'm like, I got up this morning, my car said 48, and I was like, oh, send the Holy Spirit. I'm going to need some fire to warm me up. Oh, man, it was awful. It was awful. It's all right. It's going to be 72 today. So I feel good about that. I also feel good about the fact that the Tampa Bay Lightning are the best team in the NHL. It has nothing to do with my sermon. Just felt like saying that. So Ben's mom. So Mrs. Holmes, if you're watching, that's for you. I saw you were on last week, so I just thought I would throw that out there. But uh, I know you won the championship last year, but whatever. We're not keeping track. No, I'm glad you're here. It's, it's, uh, it's going to be a great 2019. Do you believe that? It's also going to be a challenging 2019. Do you believe that? A lot of times we celebrate and we cheer and we're joyful. And the reality is, is that for some of us in this room or for somebody watching online or Wherever you find yourself, whenever you hear this message, whether it be on a podcast or right here, right now, 2019 will come with its blessings and you're going to see God move in your life, but you're also going to see God move in your life through trial. James tells us that we should count it joy when we fall into those various trials. Why would he say that? Because in those trials, you have an opportunity to move back underneath the authority of God and trust. You know, we live in a culture in the 21st century United States of America where we trust in our ability. We trust in our own ability to make stuff happen. And a lot of times we can. A lot of times we can. I've got the right people around me at Redeemer City Church, which is why there's a church here. You guys can make stuff happen. I get it, right? But there are moments where God is gracious enough to each one of us to cause us to move into a proper perspective. And so in light of that, what we like to do at the beginning of the year is take 21 days and commit to pray as a church. To pray first. It's not just a slogan, but it's really a lifestyle that you and I need to commit to. To pray first, that prayer wouldn't be your last resort, but that prayer would be your first response. That in every situation of your life, you would pray first. Just think practically about that. The Bible says to pray continually in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. What does that look like? What does it look like to pray continually? I think a lot of times if you grew up in the church like I did, and uh, you had the flannel graphs in Sunday school, come on somebody, am I preaching to anybody today, had the flannel graph. Listen, those are still alive and well. I just want you to know 
that last week my kids were at my dad's church. I preached for my dad in Connecticut. And uh, my mom does the kids ministry there. And she had the flannel graph out, praise God. And so I feel like my kids are falling in line with the Holy Spirit now. They've truly seen white Jesus with blonde hair, which is not accurate at all. But uh, I'm kidding. But that part, unfortunately, is sort of true. <laughs> but um, as we join together, um, on the back of this card, we're going we're gonna to take some time every day of this 21 days and pray for a specific area of our church or our country or the world. Um, and we're going to spend time praying. And I just want to encourage you, as you are making New Year's resolutions or thinking about what you want 2019 to look like, that in front of all of those things, in front of all of those things, should be intimacy with God. Should be pray first. It's going to be our sermon series over the next four weeks or five weeks or so. Um, But it's more than that. It's us saying... At the beginning of a new year, when there's hope, when there's joy, when there's excitement, that we are submitting ourselves to the Lord. And we need that, don't we? We need that. Because we're either in one of two places. We're either desperate for His help, or we're overconfident in our own ability. We're typically in one of those two places. We're either self-righteous, or we're self-doubting. And there's this place where Jesus meets us in prayer and helps us shape our perspective. But what I want to do today is preach a message that I've titled, I don't always title my sermons, um, but I titled this one, How to Pray Like Jesus. Anybody feel good about, like, what if I could just learn to pray like Jesus? I feel like that would be a, a good way to start, right? And Jesus, in fact, tells us how to pray. You've heard it. Even if you are not a Christian today, you've heard of the Lord's Prayer. If you have a Bible, go to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to look at it. And uh, there, there's some intensely practical aspects that Jesus teaches us about prayer. I mean, he literally says, and we're going to read it in a second, pray like this. Or when you pray, some translations will say. You know, a lot of times we talk about the fact that, man, I'm just in this season of life where I just can't hear God. Well, then you should read God because he wrote a book. And when he says things like, this is how you should pray, we have to pay attention. Right? It's like I tell, I got three kids, eight, six, and two. And you'll say something to them and they'll do the opposite. And you go, what were you thinking? And they're like, I just didn't hear you. And you're like, that's impossible. I was right here was right here, Malachi. Hey, don't you laugh at Malachi. If you know Malachi, you know why I chose that. We all have our gifts. We have to think, right? Isn't there, some, isn't there a beautiful picture in the fact that God pictures himself as a father over us? Because as funny as it is when I think about my kids, are we not the same way? Are we not the same way? Do we not at the beginning of a year need to say to ourselves, okay, this year I'm going to listen to my father. Wouldn't that be a great New Year's resolution? That this year I'm going to pray first. I'm going to listen. 
I'm going to listen to what he's saying to me. And as we come to Matthew chapter 6, I, I want you to know that Jesus knows what he's talking about. Okay, I know you know that, but even in the way that scripture is structured, it's reading your mail. It understands your life. Just think about this. I don't have this on the screens or anything, but as you come to Matthew 6, the way that it's outlined and broken up is intentional. Even just the way that it flows, the way that Matthew put it together under inspiration of the Holy Spirit matters to your life. We're not going to study all of this, but this might be a good place for you to start in your personal devotions this this year. Listen to the outline. The first four verses of Matthew 6 start out teaching us how to give. What's the greatest idol in the 21st century American culture? Money. Jesus teaches us how to give. And then he's going to teach us how to pray in verses 5 to 15. That's what we're going to talk about today. Coming out of that, he teaches us how to fast. It would be a great idea for you to fast from something during this 21 days of prayer. Whether it be social media or some kind of food or wherever you find a foothold that the devil... The Bible talks about the devil getting a foothold in your life. Where is a foothold that he has? And maybe you ought to spend some time fasting from that. Starving your flesh. But I love this. It goes from how to give to how to pray. Because don't you know when you got to let go of your money, you need to pray about it. <laughs> and then you need to fast and starve your flesh. Then he comes back to this idea, why you need to give. It's because we can talk ourselves out of it, can't we? We see somebody in need and we know that God's tapped us on the shoulder to help. But we can talk ourselves out of that. Well, he might use it for drugs. You know, and it's like, well, probably not. He's probably hungry. Or maybe he needs a place to stay or whatever it is. But then don't you love that Jesus knows us so well? Because he ends that chapter, verses 25 to 34, talking about how to overcome your anxiety. Isn't that interesting? That he goes after the things that bother us the most, the things that we struggle with the most. And then says, now listen, I know what I just told you about is going to make you anxious. So here's how to overcome your anxiety. It's not a coincidence. Jesus was the best preacher ever. And he knew what he was talking about. And he didn't waste words. So as we come to this passage about prayer and Jesus is going to say this is how you pray I want you to think about the mandate given to the church in Ephesians 618 this will be on the screen and if you're taking notes uh, you can look at those here's what it says it says and pray in the spirit on all occasions how many occasions lift up your voice and say all Not just one or two. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. That's an important statement. Prayer is not just what the pastor does on Sunday morning. Prayer is not just uh, sitting on your knees, down on your knees, by your bed. That's, That's part of it. Prayer is not coming up to the altar, though we're going to give you a chance to do that after. So you pray about that right now. 
all kinds of prayers and all kinds of requests. How many of you know that when your kid's falling down the stairs, there's a different kind of prayer going on? Right? There's a different kind of prayer request when you face your fear. There's a different kind of prayer request when you take a test. Amen. Yes. There's a different kind of prayer when you are given a diagnosis by a doctor that you weren't ready for. It's a different kind of prayer when you lose somebody that you love. There's a different kind of prayer when you get a new job and you're ecstatic about it, but you know that the pressure is on. It's a different kind of prayer when you face various trials of different kinds, isn't there? And so it says, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. I love that. That as you're praying all kinds of prayers and requests for yourself, that you're alert to the fact that the body of Christ needs each other. That the people sitting around you right now, that the people in your city group come February when you get in one, are there for more than just an attendance. They're there to literally, it's, a, it's become a cliche in the church, but to do life with you. Because you don't know when that various trial is coming and what it's going to look like. And you're going to need people around you to pray for you all the time, this verse says. All the time. There's going to be people in your group or there's people sitting here right now that need you to pray for them all the time. I need you to pray for me all the time. The Apostle Paul frequently in the end of his letters says, and pray for me. I don't mess this up. So that's the mandate that's given to us. And there are a lot of ways to pray. There's a lot of models and postures for prayer. And over the next 21 days, over the lunch hour when we broadcast that, or if you catch them later as they save, um, we're going to look at a lot of that stuff. But I thought it would be appropriate for us to just stop and look at how Jesus taught us to pray. How to pray like Jesus. When the God of the universe wraps himself in flesh, steps onto our planet, lives 33 years and dies and raises back to life to bring you life, if he says, pray like this, how many of you know we should probably listen? It's a good time to listen. So go to Matthew chapter 6, and as you're turning there, I want to read to you from Luke chapter 11, because Luke chapter 11 is the parallel passage. So we've got Matthew writing from one perspective to one kind of people and Luke writing to another and they give details about the same event that the other one doesn't give. And so Luke writes a much shorter account of the Lord's Prayer, but he gives us some important details and I want to share that first. So you go to Matthew 5, I'm going to read this and it'll be on the screen. Here's what it says. He, Jesus, was praying in a certain place And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples. And he said to them, whenever you pray, say. Notice back in verse one that Jesus was praying where? In a certain place. We have to be intentional 
about our prayer. Prayer doesn't just happen. Kind of like in a marriage, communication doesn't just happen. And the married people said, well, I should say all the wives said. (laughs) Some of these wives are like, man, he's a work in progress, praise God. Some of you laughing too hard, ladies. And then you jump over to Matthew chapter 6. So Jesus is in a certain place, being intentional about his prayer time. And his disciples see that. And they say, Jesus, teach us how to pray. We've seen some other guys like John the Baptist teach his disciples how to pray. But wouldn't it be cool, Jesus, if you taught us how to pray? And so Jesus teaches them how to pray. In verse 5 of Matthew chapter 6, here's what it says. Whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites because they love to pray standing in the synagogues. And on the street corners to be seen by people. Truly I tell you they have their reward. But when you pray. Go into your private room. Shut your door. And pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. When you pray don't babble like the Gentiles. Since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them because your father knows the things you need before you ask him. Therefore, you should pray like this. Our father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. And then Jesus goes on to talk about forgiveness. And he says, you need to forgive because your father's forgiven. So as we come to that, I I wanted to point this out. As as we go into an outline of prayer that Jesus gives us himself, I, I want you to think about this concept that everything grows or multiplies Through intimacy. Think about that. There's an obvious fact of how intimacy grows things and multiplies things, right? We understand that. God created that. But think about the aspects of intimacy. It's being vulnerable. It's being honest. And it's giving your time. When you think about prayer, and as Luke told us that Jesus was in a certain place having prayer time. And we see that in Jesus' life, don't we? I mean, if if somebody was busy, it was the guy who could heal anybody, right? It was Jesus on this earth. But what did Jesus always take time to do? Get away and pray. He always took time and he was never in a hurry. Does that bother anybody? Jesus walked everywhere. Like not fast paced. He just, just chilling. Just walking, right? Like, maybe he should have invented, like, the first car at that point and been like, I can get around. He walked. He wasn't in a hurry. He wasn't anxious. And he took time to pray. That's powerful that the God of the universe had enough time to pray. Guess what? You and I have enough time to pray. We do. But we have to prioritize it. We have to have that certain time and certain place. 
to pray because intimacy is what will grow you. Intimacy with the Father. So I want to I want to look at it in two different ways. I think Jesus breaks it down in two different things. There's a couple principles for your prayer life, and then there's a couple pathways for your prayer time. Does that make sense? So that's the two headings in your notes. Three principles for your prayer life, and then four pathways for your prayer time. So there's these general things that Jesus gives us, like you should avoid these things and do these things. And then he gives us some important aspects in the actual Lord's Prayer when he gives us that example. And I think it's going to be intensely practical for you as you begin 21 days of prayer and as we commit ourselves to pray. So three principles for your prayer life. The first one is incredibly obvious. Jesus says it right guys. He says, don't be a hypocrite. Don't be a hypocrite. Now, I think a lot of times we, we get that. We think, like, I shouldn't be a different person in front of other people as I am at church or whatever. And, and maybe you need to work on that. But think about this. He's talking about prayer. I would think about it this way. Don't be a different person when you pray. You ever met somebody who, who you know them, you know their personality, and then you hear them pray and suddenly they're just totally different? There was this guy in my church growing up, and I'll never forget it. I'm not going to share his name because I'm pretty convinced that somebody's going to watch or listen to this online from my home church and know exactly what I'm talking about. But he was the funnest guy. But then he would get up and pray, and he would stiffen up. He would get real serious. And then he would talk in King James English. You know what I'm talking about? He'd be like, Thou, Heavenly Father, I'm so grateful for Thou and thine, and thee, and thus. And I just remember thinking as like an eight-year-old kid, like, oh, this is brutal. Like, man, I mean, that, that was just not appealing to an eight-year-old. I'm like, man, I don't want to hang out with God if he's like that, right? That's not what, that's not what God's looking for. Don't you remember we studied in Galatians, it says, don't be deceived, God is not mocked. It says, whatever a man sows, he'll reap. God knows who you are. God knows what you're going through. God knows your personality. In fact, God created your personality. And, and he didn't mess up, by the way. You may encourage that God knew who you were when he created you. And he fashioned you, Scripture says, in your mother's womb to be exactly who you are. Now, you're an unredeemed version of yourself, so he's at work in your life. He's shaping you, but you are who he wanted you to be. Don't be a different person when you pray. Don't be a hypocrite when you pray. One of the things that is very difficult sometimes for couples to do is pray together because it feels vulnerable. It feels intimate. And I would just say, go for it. That's a beautiful thing. Don't be a hypocrite. Be who you are. If you are unsure of something, be unsure about it, but do it. God's going to grow you through that intimacy. Uh, just think about it this way. You can't pull a fast one on God, right? He knows who you are. I mean, your kids might try to pull a fast one on you. You might have tried to pull a fast one on your parents. But God's a father. <laughs> he said, never. Yeah, right. <laughs> if your parents are watching, they can hear it. God knows. What did it say? It said, God knows what you need before you ever even ask it. So that time isn't necessarily just for God, it's for you.
It's for you to grow in your intimacy with him. So don't be a hypocrite. Don't be a different person when you pray than you are in real life. If you're the life of the party in real life, God knows that. And you can be the life of the party in your prayer time. Talk to him. Talk to him. If you are an administratively minded human being, God bless you. We need you. (laughs) I need you. (laughs) God understands that. Take him your list. Take him your list. You just worship Jesus in that list. Amen. A few of you are like, yes, Lord. You're like, I've got a list of my favorite lists. It's my 2019 New Year's resolution. It's not mine. Praise God. Don't be a hypocrite. God knows you. He formed you. He fashioned you. He was intentional about you. The Bible says he's still singing over you. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't be different here than you are out there. Don't be different when you are on your knees before God. Number two, I think this is important. Pray to God, not to people. Pray to God, not to people. That's part of not being a hypocrite, right? Isn't it easy to come into church and be asked to pray or be in a small group and be asked to pray and and you pray and cater that to the people that are around you? Or maybe you're at family dinner. I don't know if it's happening to anybody else, but I guess because I'm a pastor, any dinner I ever go to, they're like, no, Mitch, would you pray for us? I'm like, you don't know how? (laughs) Jesus wrote you that letter too. You can just go ahead and follow it, right? I mean, I'm like, I'm Tom serious, like every time. It's a a real conundrum when me and my dad are both in the room. We're like, oh, two of them. Who do we ask? (laughs) We just start rock, paper, scissors. Your turn, right? Pray to God, not to people. When you get a place to be intimate and you are intentional and you make time. You see, there's a difference between making time and having time, isn't there? A lot of, time, a lot of times we, we make excuses about not doing the things we ought to do because I just don't have time. I'm just too busy. You have time for what's important to you. You have time for what's important to you. So, so as, as you are making time and doing that, we, we have this tendency to crave attention and approval. And we have this opportunity when we come to God to, to just talk to God. To just go to your Father. Remember that He's your Father. What, what does Jesus say there? He says, Our Father in Heaven... Your name be honored as holy. There's moments where we just need to put ourselves aside, put all the people around us aside, and have moments of intimacy with God. Corporate prayer is, is necessary and right and good. Praying with your friends in an accountability setting or an encouragement setting is good. But it's no substitute for time with your Father. It's just no substitute for that. There's a reason that Luke tells us that Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, that's when his disciples came to him, isn't it? 
You know the story, if you've been around church at all, of, of those moments where Jesus was praying and the disciples fell asleep. Jesus was having a great time with his father or an intimate time with his father. And he would come back and the disciples would be asleep. He said, man, like you, you can't even stay awake while I'm praying. And they're like, no, we're going we're to get it right this time. He goes back and he starts to pray. And what is it Jesus going to do? He comes back. Peter's out cold. They always mention Peter. You know that? Gets a bad rap. <laughs> pray to God, not just to people. It's important. Jesus is showing us that time with the Father will fill us up. In those moments where he was intensely uh, persecuted in agony and knowing what was coming, it says that he went to the garden and he prayed. He prayed in a certain place and so much so that he was bleeding. And he walked away from that saying, not my will but yours. Number three, this is important. Talk to God, not at God. Look at verse 7 and 8. When you pray, don't babble like the Gentiles, since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. What does it say? Your Father knows the things you need before you ask Him. So what, what does that mean? It means don't talk at God, talk to God. Talk to God about them. You're not delivering information that he's never never heard or never seen or is surprised by. What you need is to talk to God about those things because you need his perspective on them, not yours. So we talk to God. He already knows. By the way, longer prayers are not better prayers. Louder prayers are not better prayers. You know any loud prayers? (laughs) Just be you. Just be you. God created you. You can just be you. So don't be a hypocrite. Pray to God, not to people. Talk to God, not at God. And then as you come into prayer, Jesus gives us four things about your prayer time that serve as guidelines, right? These are not prescriptive. These are descriptive. Okay, these are descriptions of how you ought to pray. You shouldn't just pray the Lord's Prayer. Because there's all kinds of other prayers in the Bible. So he's, he's not saying this is a prescription for your prayer time. But he's saying this is a description of how your prayer time should look. And there's some things about it that are really important. The first one is to worship God. The first one is to worship God. Listen to what Psalm 100 verse 4 says. It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. So when you enter, the first thing you do is worship God. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Thank you for all that you've done for me, all that you've given to me. Into his courts with praise. You might need to pause in your prayer time and turn a worship song on. Just have a playlist ready and worship God in that moment. That's prayer. Prayer is simply talking to God. For some of you, that will just lift the lid on your prayer time, that you would just have some music ready that you could worship God. Songs about God, not about His love for you, but just about God. I love that. And then what's it say? Give thanks to Him and bless His name. Just before you you launch into talking at God, just talk to God. Just talk to Him. Bless His name. 
lift them up. When Jesus taught us how to pray in verse 9, he says, when you pray like this, our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Just take a moment and worship God in your prayer time. It'll change your life. It'll change your life. I love that. Number two, declare your dependence. Declare your dependence. Look at verse 11. Give us today our daily bread. We're we're, we're so good at making plans for the future and doing this and doing that. But what does James tell us? Your life is like a vapor. You make your plans and you do this and that. But how do you know if you're going to be here tomorrow? Just declare your dependence on God. Jesus says, pray that God would give you today what you need from him. I love that. Going back to Psalm 100, look at verse 3. It says, acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us. We are his, his people, the sheep of his pasture. This isn't our pasture. Everything we have is from him and for him, and it's being used for other people through us. We're in his pasture on his timeline, in his world, bringing his kingdom on earth just as it is in heaven. What an awesome thing. We worship God. We declare our dependence. John fifteen five. we quote it all the time here. I quote it all the time here. Where Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches, and apart from me, you can do nothing. We're his sheep. We're his people. Number three, receive and give forgiveness. I don't know if you've thought about that much in your prayer time. But prayer is an opportunity for you to receive God's grace and to give God's grace. I love that. There's a lot of scriptures that that deal with that. And forgiveness isn't, by the way, for other people. It's for you. Forgiveness is you releasing the slavery, the, the hold on your own spirit, the hold on your own life. Because whether that person wants you to forgive them or not, they're not worried about it. Only you are. Think about that. Listen to some of these scriptures, Matthew six fourteen and 15. For if you forgive others their offenses, your heavenly Father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive others, your heavenly Father will not forgive your offenses. Don't be deceived, God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. That's Galatians. Romans twelve seventeen to 21, do not repay anyone for evil, evil for evil. Give careful thought to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. If possible, as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Friends, do not avenge yourselves. Instead, leave room for God's wrath. That's a good verse. <laughs> because it is written, vengeance belongs to me. I will repay, says the Lord. That's hard to put into practice, isn't it? When somebody wrongs you to not rise up and defend, that's difficult. But what does God say? I love the way the CSB translate that. Leave room for God's wrath. It's going to be better anyway. That's why I look at it. <laughs> it's, got more, it's got more power than I do. But that's not what it's about, is it? It's about changing your perspective. It's not about changing theirs. Look at what he says next in verse 20. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. 
If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For in so doing, you will be heaping fiery coals on his head. You know what bothers people more than forgiveness? Forgiveness and a handout. (laughs) Forgiveness and love will drive that person crazy. And then it really boils down to spiritual warfare, doesn't it? Look at verse 21. Do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. Intensely practical for you when somebody wrongs you. And by the way, if it hasn't happened in the past week, it's going to happen this week. If you're married, it'll happen by the time you get home from church. So you're going to be hungry after this. It's not going to go well. You're going to get hangry. Receive and give forgiveness. Don't you love Psalm 100 verse 5? For the Lord is good and his faithful love endures forever. His faithfulness through all generations. What do all generations have in common? We did a lot of things different through the years, but we did one thing exactly the same. Sin. Rebellion. Shout out to the front row. Chloe nailed it. Right? Like, for all the things through all the generations that we've all done differently, and people have written about that, right? C.S. Lewis called it chronological snobbery, where we think we're better than the past, past civilizations. But what's the reality? Every single one of us rebelled against God. Every single one of us was utterly sinful. Forgiveness. And then number four, and I want to close with this. Band can come back up and we'll sing here. Ask for deliverance. That's the last thing Jesus leads us to. is to ask for deliverance. Look at this in verse 13. Do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. It's an amazing thing. Romans 12. 12 says rejoice in hope. You can put it down. Be patient in affliction. And what? Be persistent in prayer. How do we get delivered from evil? Prayer. Prayer. There's going to be some things in your life that you can't deliver yourself from this year. There were some things last year that you couldn't deliver yourself from. Right? And and just, just over the past two weeks, we had a case right here at Redeemer City Church. That was beyond our control. I'm going to have Ryan come up. Rebecca, you can come too. And, and I just want to, I want to take a minute and just acknowledge that God is powerful enough to solve your problems. Let, let me say it this way though. He doesn't have to. He doesn't have to. But the Bible says that a lot of times he wants to. And so why don't you just tell us a story. They have a sweet little girl named Adelaide. And uh, she is literally, her and Kevin are in a race to be the nicest person in the room. She's probably winning, but only only because she's cuter than you are. All right? But you're a close second, buddy. Jesus loves you. <laughs> but she had, she had an accident, right? So why, just explain to us what happened for those that, that don't know you. Yeah, so on the 23rd of December, she uh, fell about three or four feet, um, and the first thing that hit the ground was her jaw, and so we weren't sure how bad it was until the next day, 
um, she got uh, she got an MRI, and they uh, they said, well, let's hope it's just uh, let's hope it's just dislocated, is what the doctor said before the MRI. I'm sorry, CAT scan. Okay. We don't and, know the uh, difference. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> afterwards, uh, afterwards, uh, they, uh, they told us it was just about as bad as it could possibly be. It was, uh, it was not not just dislocated, but it was broken, um, and it was the kind of break that was just beyond any kind of normal uh, reparations that could happen naturally. Um, and so they sent us from uh, Altus, Oklahoma, a pretty small town, to OU Medical Center in Oklahoma City, a couple hours away. So this was, this was Christmas Eve, um, and we met with some specialists. It took about six to eight hours before they finally told us that uh, she would have to have a uh, extremely brutal surgery. The way the surgeon put it was the most brutal surgery a five-year-old can go through. Um, they were going to... Uh, Cut her face, basically peel it off. Um, they were going to wire her face shut for several weeks. So we went to bed Christmas Eve certain that she was going to have this surgery and that she would be never the same. And we just prayed that God would be glorified one way or the other, no matter what happened. We had faith that he was going to find a way to be glorified through it. And um, so on Christmas morning, the, uh, the head surgeon met with us. And uh, he, said, uh, he said, this surgery is um, it's very challenging. And it's, uh, it's something that he didn't recommend. We woke up Christmas morning certain it was going to happen. And he just he recommended we not do it. Uh, he said we should wait. We didn't really know what that meant, but uh, we took it as a uh, we took it with, for me at least a shred of faith that uh, that I think Rebecca had a lot more faith than me at that point, but a shred of faith that maybe this was meant to be. Uh, she wasn't supposed to have her her face cut open that day, and so we we left Oklahoma City and went back to Altus, and um, and we were for me at least I was kind of in limbo for a while. We. Uh, we reached out to friends and family. We reached out to this church and just asked for prayer. Um, because the way the surgeon put it, we didn't know if he was kind of a lone wolf who just said, yeah, just I don't want to do it. In the, in the military, we deal with TRICARE sometimes, and there's always some doctors that don't want to deal with TRICARE, so they just try to push it off, that sort of thing. And so we thought maybe that was it. Um, a lot of doubt crept into me. Um, I think I think most of the people around me had a lot less doubt, and they saw God right away. Um, but all the while, we uh, we just we just prayed and, and as best as we could prayed that uh, that God would be glorified through it. Um, we knew that there would be a follow-on appointment uh, when we got back to Tampa, and we weren't sure what that would look like. And so, as we uh, as we got back, we reached out to the uh, military folks. Anyone who's dealt with military uh, medical stuff knows it's uh, it's a bureaucratic nightmare trying to get uh, the appropriate documents in order to get a referral in order to go to see a specialist um, and there's often a lot of doubt associated with the specialist on base we we got a dentist who um, he immediately did all the all the legwork in order to get us a referral to one of the best facial surgeons in the country here in Tampa with within less than 24 hours um, and in the meantime, he researched the doctor in Oklahoma City to find out if this guy was out to lunch with his recommendation because he said it smelled funny, saying, why would you avoid this surgery? This is the surgery you do when a kid has this kind of injury. Um, and so 
so we uh, very next day, this was Thursday, the 3rd of January, um, we, uh, Adelaide saw the specialist and she said, uh, this is definitely the right move. She should not have had surgery and her face is, is he, her jaw is healing incredibly. And at, at the same time, the do- dentist on base, he discovered that the surgeon in Oklahoma City was one in a million, absolutely one in a million, who um, he was twice as qualified as he needed to be. And he, uh, his choice not to uh, push us towards surgery was a choice that any other doctor would not have made. So. Wow. Amen. We've got a little bit of praise for that. So I just thought you could be encouraged this morning. Amen. Amen. That here's this little girl who, by the world's standards, needed needed surgery on her face. Most intense surgery a five-year-old can go through. And God had him with the right doctor at the right time just to say, let's hold off. Because God wanted to perform a miracle. How cool is that? How cool is that? So let's just thank God on their behalf and just spend some time in praise together. Why don't you stand up? The band's going to lead us on a song after I pray. And let's just worship God together. Let's just kick off 2019 understanding that He is good and He is faithful and that whatever you're going through, He knows that. He's ordained that, He's allowed that, and He is walking with you through that. And then let's commit as a church to pray first. Amen? Let's pray first. So let's pray right now. God, thank you so much for your goodness. We know you don't have to do what we ask you to do. But we're encouraged and we praise you that at times you see fit in your will and in your grace to do that. God, we just lift up praise to you for Adelaide. That you spared her from incredible pain. God, I don't even know what that would have looked like over the next few years. But you saw fit to to perform a miracle to heal her jaw. And watching her run in this church this morning with a smile on her face and run to her friends and go back to kids church two weeks later is just it's remarkable and we can't explain it we don't want to explain it we don't need to explain it we know that you moved on her behalf and so we just lift up praise to you because you're the great physician we just praise you for that we give you glory in this place and God I just ask that for every person standing here right now for every family every individual every follower of yours maybe there's somebody in here who's not a follower of yours that Holy Spirit you just move in this moment that as we sing a song about coming to the altar that we would all do that in our heart maybe even do that in person here that Holy Spirit you would speak to us that you would convict us of sin that we need to confess to you in this moment that you would change our mind on some things that we're doing our way that you would encourage those who can't see you at this moment that they would know that you have not left them you haven't forsaken them and that God you're on the move that you're bringing your kingdom on earth just as it is in heaven praise you'd help us in this 21 days of prayer 
that as we seek your face, as we seek intimacy with you, the Bible says that if we seek you, we will find you. God, we just declare that we're sheep in your pasture. We're your people. And we need you to shepherd us. So as we sing, just pray that you would be glorified in this moment. That you would speak to us, Holy Spirit. It's in your name we pray. Amen.